You're listening to More Than Talk, where each week we speak with faith-filled individuals who are influencing the world around them. As you hear their story, we know that you'll not only be inspired, but you'll be challenged to do more than just talk. Hi, I'm Rebecca Proud, and today I'm hosting Tim Go. Tim currently works in his family business where they invest their own money into property, equities, and private businesses. Prior to that, Tim spent six years at Morgan Stanley in their private bank. He is a Bachelor of Commerce, Masters of Applied Finance, and is three quarters of the way through his MBA. Tim lives in Melbourne and has a beautiful wife called Kate, and today I'll be chatting with him about success. All of us would like to be successful, but what exactly does that mean? Join us as we discuss the concept of searching for success, what that looks like, and how it can impact our life. Tim is my favourite conversationalist, and I know his story and perspective will not only inspire you, but it will get you thinking. So without further delay, please enjoy the podcast. Tim, great to have you with us. Pagey. Oh, I should, shouldn't call you Pagey. I should call you <laughs> Proudy now. Proudy. This is the second time I've been called Pagey on a podcast. I think people are forgetting my last name. It's always a, it's always a good second name to have. Like it's, it's a great nickname. Pa- Paige is a nice girl's name as well. So it sort of, yeah. it sort of it, it flows. So I, I, need to, I need to get that <laughs> out of my it. repertoire. Beck. Beck. We'll just oh. leave it at Beck. Beck Proud. Well, I'm very much looking forward to our conversation. Maybe to start us off, do you want to introduce yourself? Tell us a bit about who you are and what life currently looks like. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, thanks, Beck. Well, firstly, thanks for having me on. Um, so, a little bit about myself. Uh, my name's Tim. I'm 30 years young and I'm, th- <laughs> I'm married. I've got a dog and I work in my family's family business. And we invest our own money into a whole range of things from um, equities to property to private debt to public debt to private businesses. It, it can be like any workplace, it can be mundane, mm. it can be quite exciting. And when, it, when it's exciting, it's, it can be a little bit like um, Shark Tank, if you've ever seen the show. And I've got the privilege. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I've got the privilege of working with my dad and my older brother, which can be both rewarding and extremely challenging um like any family business and mm. apart from that i um i'm on, on the investment committee for a christian not-for-profit called entrust so they focus on water mm. sanitation education and economic empowerment and i am three quarters of the way through my mba at melbourne business school which has recently transitioned to online so getting used to a lot of the zoom yeah. meetings and zoom calls that's so a bit of fun Wow, nearly done. You're nearly there. Yeah, nearly there, nearly there. It's been, it's been a nice journey. And Tim, you haven't always worked for your family. You've been involved in other companies. What led you to this point? Yeah, so I, so I guess my, my journey started in 2011. I just finished a Bachelor of Commerce and one of my mates called me up and he said, Tim, do you want to work for my sister? And I said to him, not really, and I hung up the phone and he <laughs> sent me a text saying, hey, mate, just give her a call. She's the senior vice president at Morgan Stanley. Um, so I picked up the phone, I gave her a call <laughs> and um, and I guess the rest is the history. I, I spent the best part of six years um, literally learning a new language, which was financial markets, you know, staring at screens with those crazy numbers, graphs, shades of green and red and just 
sitting next to and learning and observing behaviors from someone that I considered to be mm. an amazing leader, which is this lady I worked for named Siobhan. Mm, I'd actually love to briefly chat about your time at Morgan Stanley. And as you just said, that you worked for this lady, Siobhan, who was an incredible business leader. Yeah, what set her apart? Why was she so amazing? Working at Morgan Stanley, it was a really big boys club. And boys in general, we we lack, uh, we can lack um, levels of emotional intelligence. And, I, and with Siobhan... It was her ability to empathize with people. And I think, you know, if you can sit down with someone, relate with them, see yourself in them, see the struggles that they're going through, and you can connect in those struggles, Mm. you'll go to the ends of the earth for them. And she had this amazing way of connecting with people and getting them to do the most mundane things, but getting it it done first and getting it done on time. So she had this really amazing ability to do that. I think that's, amongst a lot of other things, that's what really stood her apart. Yeah. And I think people have this craving or desire to be understood. So when someone has empathy, they're basically saying, I understand where you're at. And so immediately that builds connection. And when there's connection, people, yeah, will do anything for you, even if it's mundane or tedious or whatever it looks like. That's right. What was your biggest takeaway from working at Morgan Stanley? So when I was, I got the privilege of spending a little bit of time in New York for some training. And um, when I was, before I left, I thought it'd be a really great opportunity to send, to meet uh, the CEO of Morgan Stanley, so the global CEO, his name's James Gorman. And there's literally one thing I have in common with James Gorman, and it's that we're both from Melbourne. <laughs> and just to put this in perspective, mm. James Gorman is a, He's essentially one of the most influential people mm. on Wall Street. When um, Obama, when Trump need to ask questions about banking reform, he gets summoned to the Oval oh. Office. And that's the same thing with world leaders globally. Like he consults world leaders mm. on a whole heap of policy. So this guy is an absolute stud. So anyway, I shoot him an email and I say, to, and I ask Mr. Gorman. Just casually, we, shoot just him casually, an email. Just shoot him an email. <laughs> And he responds. He responds wow. really quickly. And um, the long story short is I got to spend a couple of minutes in his, you know, glamorous office. It was like the some slave meeting the king. Um, <laughs> but the two massive takeaways that I got from that, from meeting someone like James Gorman is, first one is make time for people. You know, it's one of the most busy, important, powerful people in the world, in the world, made 15 minutes for me. You know, who am I to say, sorry, I'm, I'm too busy yeah. or, you know, sorry, I, you know, I didn't, or don't, you know, you, same mm. thing as like not returning someone's phone call, not writing back to a message. You know, just make time for people. I think that just speaks volumes mm. of who you are as a person. For me, you know, just for, for James Gorman to spend 15 minutes with, with me, um, it, was, it's, it's, it spoke volumes yeah. to who he was, who he is as a person. And then the second one is quite interesting. It was, I thought going and meeting him was going to be like a born again experience. Um, but as mm. one of my favorite quotes <laughs> is from Blood Diamond, it's Leonardo DiCaprio and he says, a man is just a man like at the end of the day he's you know mm. he's no he's no different to you you or me so and 
um, it makes me really, you know, wonder, you know, how to leave a lasting impression on, on people. I've met some, you know, some pretty amazing mm. people, and you and you leave, and you feel like a, you feel like you can go take on the world. And um, in that particular meeting, I didn't. And granted, you know, it was a few days after Brexit, and he probably didn't care about leaving a life-changing impression <laughs> on me, which is completely fine. Mm. But um, those were some. Two big takeaways is make make time for people and try and leave a positive impression on people. So good. And I guess this leads me into my next question. I'd love us to discuss the idea of searching for success and sort of what that looks like. The dictionary defines success as the accomplishment of an aim or purpose, the attainment of fame, wealth or social status. Tim, I want to ask you, what do you think about this definition? Yeah, I... I think we all are chasing levels of fame, wealth and social status because we all have this ideal social concept of how we want to be perceived ourselves and how we we want others to perceive us. And there's a lot of research around this idea Mm. of of a self-concept and how that's so important and how it actually influences us. And fame, wealth and social status all play into this quite strongly. But I think these three things are really just outcomes of success. I think yeah. Um, yeah. In, during, during COVID, everybody's definitely watched the Michael Jordan documentary. and So good. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good, isn't it? It's so great. And But if you look at Michael Jordan's drive, it was clearly to be the best basketballer of all time. Like mm-hmm. success for him was his daily grind. It's of practice. It's of repetition. And... I think if he ever was to just directly chase fame, wealth or social status, he would have fallen way short of the mark. And mm. it really draws me back to one of my favourite verses, which is Ecclesiastes 2.11. Um, you know, it's where, it goes, you know, when I'd surveyed all that my hands had done, what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. And I think if you if your goal is one of those three things, fame, wealth, or social status, you can definitely mm. lead mm-hmm. to that. Um, versus the question, it's a very tough question to answer and it's something that I grapple with a lot. You know, why are we doing what we do? It's something that it's uh, it's challenging. Well, what's the purpose behind your day-to-day actions? So hope that answers that, that question. Yeah, that, that's awesome and I love that you just mentioned, you know, the outcome of success isn't the goal. I'd just love to ask you, what would you say your definition of success is? I know that's a huge question, but if you could sort of summarise it, what would it be? I absolutely love this question. I actually more so love the process of it because you, you asked me this question about two weeks ago and I've spent literally two weeks yeah. trying to figure out <laughs> what this, what the answer is, and it's almost something that I encourage your listeners to do because for me it was a really, really fruitful exercise, and it ended up changing mm-hmm. um, in this two-week period. And I think if I spend more time thinking about it, it will change again. But for me, it came down to two things. One was knowing the direction I want to take and walking in that direction and the second one is vulnerability Mm. so just just to explain the first one um around direction 
I need to explain where I was a couple of years ago, um, being in my late teens to my early twenties. I think in the late in my late teens to my early twenties, I was somebody, and maybe I think it's symptomatic of the age. I was somebody who is very reactionary. Um, mm. You hear of, you know, a friend who starts mm-hmm. working at, you know, a really cool tech company. You hear another friend going to live in London or Hong Kong or New York. You hear of another friend that just starts dating and you're like, crap, I need to go apply for this tech job. I need, even though I not, know nothing about mm. tech, I need to start dating the next person I see, even though I've got zero alignment with them. I need to go jump on a plane and live in the next country that seems moderately exciting. And you feel yourself just getting pulled in so many different directions but no one's really pulling you you're just reacting to the noise and Mm. what seems exciting at that time and i think in this period of time from your you know your late teens to early 20s it's important to do that it's important to um, make mistakes it's important to see the world and get all these experiences that ultimately form your views and form a lot about who you are your latest stage in life. For me, it's 30, um, going into this next decade of 30s to my 40s. So direct, So for me, success mm. now looks like knowing which pathway I'm on, where it's leading me and walking in that direction every mm-hmm. single day. And what that means is when I come to an intersection and there's some really bright, flashy lights on my right, mm. I just continue going straight because I know that I want to go straight. And that actually sounds really Mm. basic, but it's not. I think the temptation of getting pulled in different directions never goes away. But I think now it's more of it's something that I've definitely I'm definitely more conscious of. So that was the first one. And the second one was around vulnerability. I think part of this is trying to answer the first question, which is what type of man do I want to be in 10 years? And a lot of that is what type of relationships do I want to have around me and how can I make them better? Mm. Because, you know, Beck, I've got a lot of superficial relationships because I think there's a really big social pressure as a guy mm. to be, you know, a a fearless alpha male leader, ruthless, win at all costs, constantly climbing Mm -hmm. mountains, never show weakness, never show failures, never admit to doing wrong. And does that sound like somebody you want to be friends with? Not really. Like these characteristics Mm. are good, but in certain circumstances. And I definitely have a lot of these traits. And just upon reflection, I'm like, well, if I continue going down this track, I'm not going to be the nicest person in 10 years' time. And especially when guys get together and we play in groups, these personas just become bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger because it's the idea of mm-hmm. we want to gra- gain a level of social status. We want to gain all these other things. So what is vulnerability? Uh, and uh, I've taken it. It's actually taken me quite some time to think about this as well. And it's a few things. It's mm. the first thing I think it is. It's it's Matthew five, which is a sermon on the mount, which is you know those who are poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, the merciful, the peacemakers. But it's also the the counterbalance between strength and weakness, which should be shown 
at discretion. I don't think it's something that you show every single person. It's something that needs to be shown with this at discre- with your discretion. It's also the ability to show a really human side, which may make you look weak mm. and may make you look stupid, but it doesn't expose a fatal flaw. I think those fatal flaws mm-hmm. um, should be only be shared with your very, very inner circle. And it also just helps you connect with people on a deeper level. I, I think a, a really good example of this is um, being married, you, you always get asked, how's your relationship going with Kate like it's a constant Mm. and I think a very common answer is it's fine and of course my relationship is fine well I shouldn't say of course but it's going it's it's really really great but (laughs) you know in those discretionary moments you've got an opportunity to say hey you know it's going fine but I actually had an argument last night and Mm. I said some things that I shouldn't have said and Mm. and then what that does it opens up the other person to share about those experiences as well and you can start you you start building relationships you understand their experiences and you appear not so bulletproof and why I think that's really important is Mm -hmm. you become a lot more approachable you become um you don't have to put a mask Mm -hmm. on every single day someone can see you for who you really are and it's just the thing that you can constantly reflect on, build and grow. And I think in 10 years' time, if I can continue to exercise the levels of vulnerability, I think it's definitely going to be the pair. Mm. I'm definitely going to turn into someone that I do want to be. Wow, Tim. <laughs> wow, I don't even know what to say. I think that is absolutely <laughs> brilliant. And even with vulnerability, we don't talk about it a lot, and especially a lot of men don't talk about it. But I always just have to take myself back mm. to the Bible, as you mentioned. But Jesus hung on a cross. I mean, he was naked in front of everybody. If you could think of the most vulnerable position to be in, being on that cross was so vulnerable, but yet it was the strongest and bravest thing that any human has ever done in the history of this world. So I just always think that when people automatically take their mind to vulnerability as weakness, I go back to the cross and I think, no, it is actually Mm. strength and it's a way that opens doors for people to be able to connect in relationship as well. So, Tim, that is brilliant. I guess when I look at your life, I would say that you are successful. You have a good job and great (laughs) work ethic. You've got a beautiful wife and a healthy marriage. You know, you think about others, you have a strong moral compass, even as you sort of mentioned before, direction, comfortability in your own skin. This doesn't just fall into place. What has led you to this point? What has made you who you are today? <laughs> that's, a, that's a really, it's quite a long question. Um, I, I know. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think by my own definition of success, I'm definitely just starting off. So mm. um I've got a long, I've got a long way to go. Um, one thing that I do do particularly well um, is that I have, I ask a lot of people for advice. So I've got multiple sources of wisdom that collect the whole idea of collective wisdom. And you, mm-hmm. I guess the idea is you. A lot of people talk about it is you form your own personal board. So you'll have people that you'll ask about for relationships. You, you can go talk to them. You, mm. if, if there's a question about, um, I don't know, financial markets, I'll go mm-hmm. talk to these people. If there's a question about property markets, I'll go talk to them, et cetera, et cetera. And it gives, it, it's also a two-way street. Like you, you obviously get information from them. You can also give some back and it's a very positive thing. And it's something that I 
have been doing and will continue to do hopefully till the day I die. Um, but in terms of like your, you saying, talking about success, I think there was one time last year, which I think I was genuinely really successful. And what happened was I was not really happy with in my current working environment, working with my dad and my brother. We had some, <laughs> we had some fights as you do working in, mm. in, in, in that environment. And I ended up going for a job interview and long story short, um, they came back to me two months later and they said, we've offered you a job um, doing X, Y, Z. And in that two month period, I had enough time to go to my board mm-hmm. of advisors, these people that I talked to and just ask them for advice and, and talk to them about which direction I should be going and all of that type of stuff. And they really just put me on the right path. And so I answered, so my answer to the response of, you know, you've got this job, would you like it? I said to them, no. And for me, that was a defining moment of success because talking about direction and which pathway I want to be on, mm. that could have, that's the equivalent of turning right. I know that my direction is straight, but because wow. something looked pretty cool at the time, things weren't going my way, mm. I was about to do a hard right and go in a completely, not a completely different direction, but a direction that wouldn't have been the Mm -hmm. way that I would have wanted to go. So I think it's important to have the right people around you that can help guide your decision-making and um, put you on the right track. And that also Mm -hmm. comes down to having to actually want to listen to people's advice. Initially, when I was asking for people's advice, I wasn't really asking. I was telling. I, I was telling them about my situation. I was telling it how bad it was and how much I wasn't enjoying mm. it. And naturally, when you tell people, they disagree with you. But I think um, I slowly learned not to be so subje- not not to be so subjective. I'm not to be so mm-hmm. objective about it. Really, be subjective and get them to um, provide feedback around what they really think is the best option for you. So, yeah, that was that was my mm. experience. Tim, I think that is awesome because a lot of people talk about mentors and going to people for advice, yep. but often people think that you need one mentor. I mean, for me personally, that's how it's been framed a lot of the time. Who's your mentor? Who's that one go-to? And I think that is healthy. I think there's always, you know, safe people in your life that you can open up to. But I love how you've just sort of painted this picture that you've got a number of different people in your life. First of all, you can get different perspectives, but also there are people, for example, finance, that's their gifting, but it might not be someone else's or, you know, there's certain areas that people are more skilled at and um, have more insight into. And so, yeah, I love that. I think that um, I'm so encouraged by that because I'm slowly building, you know, a network, if you want to say, of people that I really admire, but it's not just one person. It's sort of all these different areas. And I think you get a holistic view when you have that. Well, that's what that's what it really is, Beck. I reckon it's not. I think it, n- mentors can be quite intimidating for mm. the mentor itself. Like if you ask somebody, "Can you be my mentor?" It's quite an intimidating title because it means that you have to act a certain way. You can't say anything wrong. You've you've got to spend X amount of time with them. But if you just have a relationship with somebody mm. that you look up to and that you ask for advice and you can also potentially give some advice or give some perspective. I think that's the best way it is. Like a lot of the people who I 
ask for advice probably don't know I'm actually asking for advice because it goes mm, it sort of yeah. goes both ways and I think that that that's the more organic way of, of doing it. Definitely. And observing. You don't even have to ask. You can observe someone's life yeah. and learn so much from them. Yeah. Tim, what would you say to those that maybe feel like their life at this point isn't very successful? So maybe an example of this is someone who is at a certain age and they haven't achieved what they thought they would, or maybe they've tried to step out and do something and it hasn't worked. What would your advice be to people going through this? I think going through the exercise of defining success is really really important because Mm -hmm. part of defining success might be failing um learning how to fail multiple times and learning what lessons you've Mm. learned and and gathering that and and going forward and i I don't think there's any shortcut to success um and i'm definitely wouldn't say that i'm successful but i've just if what what I have done is to try and define what it is and trying to mm. aim towards that. So in the shortest way possible, just spend some time, spend you know a month thinking about it constantly. What does this mean for me for the next five years? And really, depending on what stage of life you're in, that that definition will mm-hmm. change dramatically as you, you know from your late teens to early early twenties to thirties when you become parents, etc. Mm. That's going to change. So. Something that just to always keep at front of mind. Yeah, I love that. And to be honest, this episode has challenged me a lot when we were preparing questions. I then had to ask myself, well, what is my definition of success? Because I know that there's been times in my life where I haven't seen certain things come to fruition or yeah. uh, outcomes and I've been disappointed and could easily think that, It means I'm not successful. But something even recently that has so encouraged me is that, you know, I formed sort of my view of success as obedience to God. And you sort of touched on this earlier about the outcome of success shouldn't be the goal. I think so often we put this pressure on ourselves to have certain outcomes or results in life, whether that be achievements, influence, wealth, relationships, whatever it may be. We put so much pressure on ourselves to see these things happen, even in a certain timeline, when in actual fact, those outcomes are up to God. Mm -hmm. And so I have to just remind myself that, you know, success is my obedience to God. It's the steps that I'm taking in life. And then the outcome, the results, the achievements, all of that is up to him. And so I've actually really appreciated (laughs) this episode. How did you come to that definition? Well, prayer. I started praying and I noticed that I would feel like a failure if I didn't see results. And I had to take that to God. And I actually just felt the Holy Spirit whisper that to me, that it's not about results. That's up to me. It's really about following my voice and following my promptings and lead. Because sometimes he actually takes us through seasons where we don't get the result that we thought. And it definitely doesn't look like how we thought. If anything, it looks like suffering. But then years later, we see that we have grown in character. We have grown in wisdom and insight. And we needed to go through that to get the result that God wanted years down the track. Mm. So I guess that's how I came to that conclusion. That's great. But Tim, before we finish up, do you have any final bits of advice for people that are searching for success or for people wanting to experience a successful life? (laughs) It sounds like I've I've (laughs) I've got the keys to the keys to the castle. Uh, (laughs) Keys um, to life. I think just going back to the my other answer is just continue to ask yourself what does this look like, Um, and and just continue to wrestle with that question. Mm. 
on a regular basis and to continue to move the goalposts. Like, yeah, if you've, if you've hit a certain milestone, then just move it up and continue to, and that will help you grow. And you, mm. I think that will continue to challenge yourself and make you that person that you want to be in the future. Ah, Tim, thank you so much for sharing your story and insights today. I've loved hearing your perspective and I know our community will be very blessed by this conversation. So thank you and we appreciate your time today. Thanks, Beck. Thank you for listening to another episode of More Than Talk. If you know of anyone that's making a difference in their world, we would love to have them on the podcast. So please message us via Instagram at morethantalk underscore podcast. We also would love for you to join our community. So follow us, subscribe, leave a review, and share this podcast around as we believe these stories will not only inspire, but challenge us to do more than just talk.